This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. And joining me on the phone, it is a percussionist, Sheila E. She is in Montreal, uh, upcoming on uh, August 24th as part of the Strangers in the Night Gala a concert that also features The Box and Simple Plan. And what's great about Strangers in the Night, and I'll give you the um, website real quick, strangersinthenight.ca, strangersinthenight.ca. The concert benefits the Simple Plan Foundation, which is at simpleplanfoundation.org, Friends for Mental Health and Lymphoma Canada, all worthy, worthy causes. And I'll just quickly talk about the mental health thing. It is so important, and and you hear this a lot on the news and stuff, to have that discussion and to have that commitment to getting people help. I am going to quote here from the World Health Organization's latest data, and it says that close to 800,000 people that is eight with five zeros. 800,000 people die each year due to suicide, which works out to one person every 40 seconds. Completely unbelievable. Every 40 seconds. So by the time I'm done with this talk up, two people might have committed suicide. I mean, that, that's, that's shocking. And so um, this, uh, this concert, Strangers in the Night, raises money uh, through the grace of these bands that come in and perform that attract the audience and the crowd and and they have uh, food and, and anyway and so it goes to friends for mental health um, which is asmfmh.org asmfmh.org uh, and also lymphoma canada and the simple plan foundation so I had a, a chance to talk to, uh, to Sheila E. about coming to uh, Montreal to perform at this event, the Strangers in the Night, .ca, and also a little bit about her career and some of her foundation work too, because she has a foundation as well. And so we, we, we discuss all of that. And as you remember, in April, my co-host, Alan Niven, uh, attempted to take his own life, which is why... In May and in June, you didn't hear him on the show anymore. He has uh, again started coming up and and doing the uh, odd uh, co-hosting spots. Not every week, not every episode, um, but and you also heard Ginger Wildheart of the Wildhearts come on an episode and talk about his um, suicide attempts. And so, uh, it is an issue that is very very dear to me. Um, you know, and, and I've mentioned this before. My brother also a couple of years ago tried it as well. So so kudos to the uh, Strangers in the Night um, organization for putting that in as part of their focus, uh, as well as the Simple Plan Foundation, as well as Lymphoma Canada. And to Sheila E., The Box, um, uh, Simple Plan, and the bands in the past. Uh, you know, Culture Club and all that, all those bands that came here previously, Sticks as well, to uh, play this concert at the galas every year. Uh, and it, it, it's just an incredible event. Anyway, um, before I get over to Sheila E., I just want to mention, I remember seeing her uh, video, The Glamorous Life, on Much Music and sometimes on MTV when I would travel. 
And that was one of the great things about growing up in the 80s. You know, in the 70s, I had the Kiss records and the Cheap Trick records and the Aerosmith records, but it was somewhat boxed into, I could only listen to whatever was in the living room. You know, whether my brother bought a record or borrowed a record or my parents brought home a record, that was what I was limited to to uh, listen to. And had it not been for much music, I never would have heard a Sheila E song. And, I, and you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad I did because Glamorous Life is a great song. And so it, it was just such a great time to grow up and not have a remote because back then, uh, you know, the remote was either either corded and you would put it on top of the TV so you wouldn't trip over it or it was just simply non-existent. And so you would put on a channel and you would sort of walk around and your whole day was around that channel. So videos would come up, whether it was a Culture Club song or a Simple Minds song or a Brian Adams song or unfortunately no Metallica videos in the early days. But that's how I got to discover all these different songs and how I became a fan of music in general. You know, if you listen to the show, it's not just the guys from Poison and Warrant and 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 Quiet Riot every week repeated. Mind you, that would be great. I love all those guys. Uh, but that is why when you listen to this show, you will get Leslie West, and then you will get the guys from Foreigner, and then you'll get Paul Stanley, and then you'll get Sheila E., and you'll get you know, Aaron Davis, and, you, and you'll get stuff from all the different genres and, and, and eras, just because I am not a particular fan of any one kind of music. I'm a general fan in general, right? Not to sound redundant, but um, anyway, the point being is that it was such a great time growing up in the 80s, and you would see this stuff, and, and so Glamorous Life was one of those songs that uh, I never would have sought out. I never would have bought. I, If I had heard it on the radio, I probably would have just changed the channel. So to see it on TV, to see the visual, to see how she looked, to see her playing the drums, to hit, it just had an impact. And so, uh, you know, it's too bad. It's too bad that we don't really have that kind of impactful medium anymore. And, and people say, well, wait a minute, what about YouTube? And yeah, but but there is a slight difference. Much music and MTV, you would just turn on and leave all day. You can't do that with YouTube. You have to go seek out the video. And I guess you could sort of let it play and it'll do selected videos. But, you know, listen, this is not a sociology experiment, but, but I'm going to say that it's not the same. Uh, and also, when you watch YouTube, you don't have the DJs or the VJs talking stuff up because sometimes, sometimes uh, the nonsense that they would say, which was probably all sound bites and pre-scripted, uh, written by the record company to, to build some excitement, actually worked. And it builds some excitement. You say, hey, this new band, you got to check that. And you'd be like, oh, I do, I do. I got to check this out. And so you did. Um, anyway, uh, let, let us get over to, uh, to Sheila E. I think it is a, a fun conversation Again, the concert in Montreal is August 24th, 2019. It is Strangers in the Night, uh, strangersinthenight.ca if you want to check out, buy some tickets, donate to the causes. And of course, we've got the Simple Plan Foundation, and I will give you all the uh, contacts again, simpleplanfoundation.org if you want to donate to that. Um, Friends for Mental Health or Amis de la Santé Mentale. 
So in French, A, or the, the, the link I should say is ASM, Ami de la Santé Mentale, ASM, or Family Mental Health, uh, so ASMFMH.org. Uh, respectfully, you probably need a more um, user-friendly uh, web link. Just, just anyway, I don't mean to badmouth them, but... But that's a bit of a that's a bit of a tongue twister right there. Um, and then of course lymphoma uh, lymphoma.ca uh, for those uh, who want to uh, donate there. So there you go. And uh, without further ado, here is the exceptionally delightful Sheila E. We are speaking with uh, Sheila E. She will of course be uh, just uh, outside of Montreal in Pierrefonds on August twenty fourth for the uh, Strangers in the Night concert. It does. Uh, Support Lymphoma Canada and, of course, Friends for Mental Health. Sheila, talk to me about coming to this event and and supporting these great causes. Oh, it's any time that I can lend a hand and uh, either bringing awareness, you know, or helping in any kind of way. I mean, I feel that as an artist, um, that is partly my responsibility to be able to, to do this and give back. Um, it's really important for those who are suffering and in the, in those communities. And, uh, you know, I'm always either affected or touched by someone, uh, you know, in my family or someone that I know for a lot of different causes. So it's really important to give back. It really is. And, and by the way, thank you for coming. So, so let me ask you some, some questions about your, your career. The, uh, the last album. Iconic Messages for America. Uh, it, it sort of was a, a reaction to what was going on politically in the States. But you had some also some great players on there, including Ringo Starr, who you've toured with. Talk to me about that album and the importance of making an album that had a message to it. Yeah, um, at the time that I decided to do that record was um, at the time that we were starting our election and um, I had already been mourning the loss of Prince and then I felt like I was mourning the loss of our country and I felt like I had never experienced any of this separation and division uh, between our country and the way that things were moving forward. And prior years to that election, prior to, um, I had put together a folder that was entitled Politically Correct that I knew two or three years before that election that I wanted to write something, but I knew that it would take me at least six months. And I, it normally it doesn't take me that long to do a record, but I knew that in speaking from my heart and my voice to be heard and things that I would like to talk about that people had not heard me talk about before in a song. So, um, Long story short, I was not able to do that record right away, and I decided to go back and listen to songs that were really important in my life growing up in the 60s and 70s, and I found that there was so much relevancy. There was there were songs lyrically that were relevant to the times that we were dealing with in our country, and I thought, what better way to get the record out right away to get people's attention and bring them together and talk about peace and and coming together and, you know, if there are any of the artists that I just so happen to choose, if, you know, they're still around or if, you know, they're able to um, willing their schedule, you know, that they could be on the record as well. And uh, that's 
why I wanted to do it was to to get it out right away because those lyrics they were they were very very relevant and still are. They really are, and, and of course I could explore that further, but we have limited time. So let me just quick get over here to uh, to Pete Escovedo, your father. He of course has played with uh, Carlos Santana. Talk to me about his influence in your life and and going into a musical career. How much did he? Uh, show you and 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 how much did you look up to him and 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 want to sort of say hey you know what this this playing drum thing is kind of cool. <laughs> um, I watched my dad through uh, growing up um, throughout my elementary junior high school. Um, he had rehearsals with his band in the living room. They had jam sessions periodically, like more than three times a week. Um, he practiced every single day, listening to music, LPs, and um, people that he was inspired by. So um, he was very influenced by these artists. And every day I would hear that music and I was inspired as well, not knowing that I was just basically gathering all that information while he was doing his thing and didn't know that I was taking it in like a sponge. Um, Later on in my years in junior high school, I was right before junior high. No, it was junior high school. I was training to be in the Olympics. I was an athlete. I was in track and field. I loved sport. I love, still love sports, but I love sports. And my mom was an athlete and I wanted to win a gold medal, gold medal in, in the Olympics. So my focus was, I want to win a gold medal. I'm going to train. I'm breaking all these records in school that have been broken in 20 years. And I know that I can do it. I was very fast. Also playing soccer on a, a women's undefeated team for five years. So I was into it. I t- turned 15. Um, and my dad's percussion, other percussion player in his band wasn't able to play. So I convinced my dad to let me play. And that specific show that night, I had sat in with my dad before, but this was different that night. The experience that I had was very spiritual and and powerful and, um, had never been in a situation to be able to play with those type of artists. There are 18 people in my dad's band and to be able to play in front of 3000 people. And the whole experience was such an amazing thing that I just knew that at that very moment, after taking my solo, I cried and I was shaking and the experience of just being overwhelmed with every single ounce of my body, just, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm going to (laughs) do. And after the show, um, I grabbed my dad. We both started crying. He's just like, what? where did you learn all this? I was like, I don't know, watching you, you know, it was that, that moment that changed my life. Two weeks later, went out on tour with him and never turned back. Yeah. And I can imagine that that moment is sort of like winning a gold medal. So, so let me get right over here to the first album, uh, Glamorous Life and and the single. Uh, What was that like to now be on your own and your own artist? First of all, how did your, your parents react to that? But how was it for you to say, okay, this is me. I'm a solo artist. And then, of course, it went to number one on the dance charts. Um, talk to me a little bit about that moment in that first album. It was. I was ready for it. I mean, I grew up in an environment of music and entertainment. So me and my brothers, my brothers and I, we always, uh, uh, at parties and different things, we were always the entertainment. We pretend like we would uh, we would mimic, you know, Stevie Wonder, The Temptations, James Brown. It didn't matter who it was. Um, Santana, you know, it, everyone that we could think of, we emulated or tried to imitate. And, um, so we were used to performing in front of people all the time. So when it was 
time and I said, you know, it's time for me to do my record. Absolutely. I put the record out. Um, I was ready. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted to kind of look like, um, what the band, I mean, the whole process of getting my band together, what that took, uh, was a whole, that's a whole nother long conversation, but you know, even auditioning them, they had to be able to sing, play and dance, not just play their, their instrument. And I, they had to be, uh, willing to, for me to change their look, their hair, add hair, cut hair, change the hair color, whatever it was. I had a vision of what I wanted to do. And, and with the help of, of the, the team that had gathered, uh, with me, it, it was awesome. We were able to do that and achieve that. And then when Glamorous Life, you know, we wanted to break the record in Europe first, which is what we did. We went out there for two months, broke the record. When I came back to the States, it was uh, it was a hit here, and I was extremely happy. But it was not easy. It was a lot of hard work, and it's even harder now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can imagine. And, and like I said before, when I saw that video, you know, I, w- I was a hard rock, heavy metal guy with Kiss and all that, and I saw this Glamorous Life. And it's a great song. I mean, it, you, a great song is a great song. Um you mentioned growing up in a in a musical environment. These days in Canada and in the states, schools seem to be cutting out music programs left, right, and center. It, it, the, the importance given to music seems to have been lost. Is that something that we need to reverse? Should every school have a music program? Oh, absolutely. I think it's very important to the the curriculum. I think it should be part of the curriculum, and it helps with mathematics, with science. Uh, um, I'm sorry, with math, with science, uh, with social studies, um, with communicating with people. You know, it, it, it allows a person to be very creative, um, which we're sometimes uh, not allowed to do. And it really helps with, with everything uh, in life. And I think it's it's important is why I started my foundation with my friend Lynn. Uh, we started a foundation for kids. We started in, in uh, foster care because those were the last kids to, to get help and, and them being abused and shut down, no communication. We knew that music could get them through because it had helped us and it worked. And then all of a sudden uh, public schools started asking for us to help. So we then started elevate Oakland and we went, I went back to my hometown and we started helping public schools in the Bay area because those classes are being taken out and it's detrimental because these kids, want something to do they want to learn they want to sing they want to play they want to be creative whether it be videography uh, uh or or taking pictures photography and just arts being creative you know and they come to us all the time and ask you know i want to learn how to do this and do that and my school doesn't have it what do i do we're get, we're asked questions that every day now that's the uh elevate hope foundation correct it's, it was Elevate Hope, and we just now merged into Elevate Oakland into the Bay Area. Okay. Correct. Okay, yeah. And, and of yeah. course, uh, that that's important to uh, to check out. Um, uh, and and I, this, I know it's going to sound like a little facetious going away from that, because that's very important, and, and I do encourage people to check that out. But uh, just quickly, on back on the glamorous life, how important was video, the, the, the video medium and the presentation to the band and to de- developing a career because we don't really have that as much anymore. But how important was the whole visual thing apart from music? Oh, visual was was uh, the key, uh, especially for me because people had heard. Or I had already 
I had a career as an as a musician before I became a solo artist. And now when I become Sheila E, I changed my name to make it easy for people to remember. They couldn't remember Escovito and, uh, you know, they had a problem with playing my name. So in changing my name and giving a look and having a video, visually people could see. And it was the same thing, the process that I had with my record company when I first signed with them. You know, I said, look, I'm an artist. Here's my record. I finished it. Here's what it looks like. And I'm, an, I'm a musician, a singer who sings and dances. And I will set my band with a pair of timbales that I play. And they're like, we don't even know what timbales are. Visually, that was a big deal. It's like, well, can you let us know who we can look up to, to find out or who you can compare yourself to, to to let us know so we can get what you're saying? And I'm like, uh, at the time, there was no one that I could even think of. I said, I don't think there's anyone. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I think it'd be best for... Uh, you to let us do a showcase. So we did a showcase at Warner Brothers just so they could understand what we were trying to do. Yeah, and... Uh, and visually, that was a big deal. It, it really was. And uh, just real, real quick, I, I, I have the uh, email, not the email, the uh, web address. It's elevateoakland.org. And I do encourage everybody to go to elevateoakland.org and support the uh, the foundation. Always important. Uh, Sheila, and I, uh, I know we're running out of time, so I will finish on this. It's obviously the obvious question. You did work with Prince, and he has uh, since passed away. Uh, may he rest in peace. What was it like working with somebody like that who was above and beyond just a musical genius? Um, it's it's interesting because I always say if he was here, everyone should ask him how it was to work with me, um, and that was the more important question. Um, when I met him no one knew who he was he had he had just started his career and he had been following my career um we fed each other very well as far as musically inspiring creative uh, i mean that's why we were friends so fast and maintained being friends in his entire life um that's that's considered family um when you meet someone in 77 and work together your entire life um at least his life and um you know, I, there are many things that we shared and, and and we were inspired by a lot of the same people and shared a lot of the same beliefs and, uh, you know, food <laughs> at one point and, uh, and spiritual, spiritually, um, we shared the same beliefs. So, you know, there's a lot that we, we did together that we understood. And then there were things that it's like he had never heard of or, or a group that I never heard of or food he's never tasted before. And he never heard Latin jazz until, you know, I introduced him to my family. So uh, it was a wonderful relationship. Yeah, it really was. And, and, you know, you're right. It was sort of a partnership at, or it was a partnership at the beginning in terms of musical adventure. Uh, and I'll finish with this. Uh, we, we mentioned the, the latest album. What's sort of the the plan for making new music down the road? Is it something that now, given the market, it's just not worth it and I'll just go out and play the hits? Or is it something that creatively you still need to do just to get those juices flowing? I do it because it's my life. It's in my blood. It's the water that I drink. It's who I am as an artist. I will continue to um, do what I do. Uh, there is new music coming out and uh, in September. Uh, I'm, I already have like 15 songs that are almost completely done. Um, I've got like another six that are ready to go. Um, it's not a an album-driven industry anymore. It's, it's 
mostly singles. I will be putting out singles. Um, I don't think, I think that there are some fans that love to still have the hard copy of a, of a vinyl, you know, um, for so many reasons. I mean, they're, it's back and I've been doing vinyl the last four records, three or four records. Um, but I think, you know, for me, um, I'm going to continue to just be me and, and continue to grow as an artist and a musician as, and a person. And I'm, I'm learning something new every day and with music and with the business itself, it's ever forever changing good or bad, but you know, I have to stay on top of it and I have to know and I love change, so I'm not afraid or scared or worried. Uh, I don't walk in fear. Um, I, I stand strong as as I am as a woman, as an artist, a musician, a human being. And I hope that my only job is to, to bless someone. And I hope that I can do that and continue to do that. I, I believe you can. And, and you're right about owning physical copy. Uh, Alice Cooper had said to me, I do not want to own air. And I think that's important. Right. And uh, I will finish right. with uh, strangersinthenight.cas where you can get tickets for the performance. Sheila, an absolute pleasure. I, I so enjoyed watching your, your videos and your songs and the Magic Johnson show and all that stuff back in the day. You are truly a unique artist and pl- pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk.